there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome to another K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. By the way, K-Cups come in three sizes, single, double, and triple shots, or roughly one minute, five minutes, or 10 minutes in length. So if you don't have time to throw back an entire caffeinated career conversation, these K-Cup mini episodes of T4C can give you a quick caffeinated fix, whether you're on the go or you only have a few minutes to binge. So grab your mug and take a chug, because it's time for a caffeinated career double shot K-Cup with my guest, Dr. Daniel Amen. You began as a psychiatrist at a time when, and to this day, when diagnostics is done by talking to the patient. What made you think that's not enough? So before I went to medical school, I was a young soldier in the army and I was an infantry medic where my love of medicine was born. But about a year into it, I realized I really didn't like being shot at. It just sort of wasn't my thing. So I got myself retrained as an x-ray technician and developed a passion for imaging. What our professors used to say, how do you know unless you look? And when I fell in love with psychiatry because someone I loved tried to kill herself, and when I took her to see a wonderful psychiatrist, I came to realize if he helped her, which he did, it wouldn't just help her. It would ultimately help her children and even her grandchildren as they would be shaped by someone who was happier and more stable. So I fell in love with psychiatry because I realized it could change generations of people. But I fell in love with the only medical specialty that virtually never looks at the organ it treats. And given my imaging background, I'm like, okay, that's dumb and that's going to change. And even back in the early 80s when I was doing my residency, at the Walter Reed Army Medical Center, everybody was talking about imaging is the future. And when I started to look at the brain, first with a study called quantitative EEG, and then later with SPECT, which is a nuclear medicine study that looks at blood flow and activity, I was so excited. I'm still excited, like a little kid (laughs) that has this just amazing tool to give me more information to help my patients. And I have loved it virtually every day since. And so what is it that you've been able to learn from looking at, is it 170,000 brain images now that you have? So many things that how we name things is wrong. That depression is a cluster of symptoms that have many different causes. And now you can go to the family doctor, you can go to your local psychiatrist, you get six out of these nine criteria. They say, oh, you have depression. And they start everybody on an SSRI, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, like Prozac or Paxil or Lexapro or Celexa. And in large scale studies, they actually work no better than placebo. Now, I know for the right person, those medications can save people's lives, but for the wrong person, it can actually make them want to take their life. And so assuming 
that depression is one thing when the imaging work we do has taught us it's seven, 10, maybe 20 different things that we need to tailor treatment to an individual's brain, not a cluster of symptoms. Andrea, if you just think about it, if you have chest pain, nobody gives you the diagnosis of chest pain. They would go, well, that would be dumb because it doesn't tell you what's causing it or what to do for it. Because you don't want to assume everybody that has chest pain has coronary artery disease. You can get chest pain from, I lost my father recently, so you can get chest pain from grief. You can get chest pain from gas. You can get chest pain from an infection like pneumonia. I mean, there's just like a zillion causes of it. Don't you want to know the cause so you can properly target the treatment? But that's not what happens in psychiatrists. We go, oh, you have this cluster of symptoms, so you have an anxiety disorder, or you have depression, or you have ADHD, or you have this one illness that explains it perfectly. In the DSM-5, that's a diagnostic and statistical manual from the American Psychiatric Association, there's actually a category called intermittent explosive disorder. Okay, so you have temper problems, and they give you a diagnosis that's basically the same name as your symptom, intermittent explosive disorder, but it doesn't tell you what's causing it or what to do for it. And so we end up with the single or simple treatments for illnesses that are complex. Could you give us an example? And I, you have so many of them in your book. One of them that really resonated with me was a young man by the name of Andrew. Well, that uh, example always makes me cry. Um, so when I first started doing imaging, I got no end of grief from my colleagues. You shouldn't do that. That's not useful. You're just taking advantage of mentally ill people. I mean, it was like it was awful. And I have two flaws. I mean, I work on them, but one of them is I hate conflict. I just don't like it. I grew up with five sisters. And <laughs> Say no <I> more. <laughs> just don't like it. And the other one is I like it when people like me. And now all of a sudden, you know, I've worked so hard to get into medical school and through my residency. And now I have all these people hating me because I want to look at the brain. And so for about four years, it really unbalanced me. And then in April 1995, I got a call late one night from my sister-in-law who told me my nine-year-old nephew, who's also my godson, Andrew, attacked a little girl on the baseball field for no particular reason. And I'm horrified. And I'm like, Sherry, what else is going on? And she said, Danny, he's different. He's mean. He doesn't smile anymore. I went into his room and found two pictures he had drawn. One of them, he was hanging from a tree oh. in a suicide attempt. God. The other picture, he's shooting other children. And there's blood all over the picture. And Andrew was Columbine or Sandy Hook or Parkland, Florida waiting to happen. And I'd already scanned, because I'm also a child psychiatrist, a number of violent kids, and I suspected he had problems in his left temporal lobe. So that's underneath your temple and behind your eyes on the left side, because I'd correlated, as have other researchers, violence to that part of the brain. And I said, well, I want to see him tomorrow. And so they drove eight hours to see me. And when I scanned him, he actually had a cyst the size of a golf ball occupying the space of his left temporal lobe. 
And when they took it out, his behavior immediately went back to normal. He's just about ready to have his first baby. And it was at that moment, Andrew's case, because I'm somebody I just loved dearly. It just showed me, stop caring what people think about you. This work is important because quite frankly, if you don't look, you don't know. And as a profession, we should stop lying about it. To think that you can make diagnoses based on symptom clusters with no biological information, that's insane. And uh, it doesn't win me a lot of friends, but we, you know, I mean, as you said, we built the world's largest database of brain scans related to behavior. We've seen people now from 155 countries, and it's, it's a new way of doing brain health. The end of mental illness will begin with a revolution in brain health. And that's why I wrote this book, which is really to create the revolution we desperately need. Thanks for tuning in to this K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. If you want to listen to our entire caffeinated career conversation, please check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.